unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. this morning. We're studying the Psalms this summer and uh, just kind of jumping around to different Psalms each week. Uh, The first week we looked at Psalm 1 and it kind of sets the stage for the whole collection of the Psalms and looked at that. And then last week uh, we were in Psalm 121 and today we skip forward a few to Psalm 127. Uh, One of the things we've been trying to focus on though is as we're uh, studying these Psalms on Sunday mornings is taking them out into the week and reading them and praying through them, even trying to memorize parts of them. How'd you do this week with Psalm 121? Did you get into the word? I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come? Where's it come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He shall not let your foot be moved, right? He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, the one who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Isn't that great? That God has your back. He's watching you, caring for you all the time. That even while you sleep, we're going to see again this morning, he doesn't rest. 
and he cares for you and he loves you. So I hope you took some time. If you didn't make it this week, maybe this will be the week you can do that. And I'll give you some things, uh, some ideas, and they're even listed on your bulletin in case I forget on the back under the prayer guide. But ways you can work through this psalm this week with me and, and spend time praying through it. It's so important that we spend time in God's word together and respond to what he has to say to us. Let me read from Psalm 127 again with you. Let's read through it together. Then I'll pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Uh, Solomon is writing here. It's a song of ascents of Solomon. And Solomon writes this. He says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive into that text together. Father, thanks again for Jesus. Thanks for his grace to me and to us. Uh, Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your help. Uh, Yet without your help, we do everything. All of our efforts are in vain. So this morning, would you uh, teach Holy Spirit through me and uh, use uh, your power to, to speak to our hearts through my voice. I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Uh, He loves to take your word and twist it. He would accuse us and uh, cause guilt and uh, shame when you've taken all those things away, Jesus. Instead, uh, empower us by your spirit to live rightly, to trust in you and, and to seek your help. We love you. I thank you for Jesus and I pray all this through him. Amen. Psalm 127, it starts off, again, we're in this this 15-verse package of like 120 to 134, the Psalms of Ascents. And it's the Psalms that they would have sung as they walked up to Jerusalem, as they climbed. And some of those coming from the east of the Jordan River, it's like a 4,000-foot climb. And they're singing these songs, uh, most scholars believe, as they're making their way to Jerusalem. And this would have been one of the ones that they sung. Uh, last week was, I, I left my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? This, this time it's, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. But before we get in there, you'll notice it says a song of a sense of who? Of Solomon. What do you know about Solomon? Scripture tells us that of all the men who've ever lived, apart from Jesus, Solomon was the wisest of all. Now, if you know anything about Solomon and his life, if you studied his life in the Old Testament, you know that even though he had a lot of wisdom, he didn't apply a lot of wisdom. And he did a lot of foolish, foolish things. And uh, he ends up writing a book called Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about how vain all of his pursuits were. All of his pursuits where he ignored God and didn't seek his help and just did whatever he wanted. It was all vanity, he said. And over and over, you'll see him talk about life being vain, but then he'll say, but I commend to you uh, things like joy. I commend to you uh, obey the Lord. I I commend to you study his law. 
And he, he just makes this point over and over and over that the only thing that makes sense in life, the only thing that makes sense of life is living a life that's honoring to the Lord. And Solomon learned that in the school of hard knocks. <laughs> he didn't listen to the wisdom God gave him. And this, this psalm, there's a lot of things in it that are very reminiscent of some of Solomon's writing in, the, in Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes. I mean, it starts off right away. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, the big idea of this whole psalm is this. Without Jesus' help, without God's help, every effort is a waste of time. If you don't have God's help, you're wasting your time. You're going to be spinning your wheels. You're like a turtle stuck on a rock. You're going nowhere. Without Jesus' help, every effort is a waste of time. And because it's Father's Day, man, I want to key in on you a little bit today. And number one, the first thing I want you to see from this psalm, we see it right in the first half of this first verse, is this. You need Jesus' help to build your home. Now, ladies, this applies to you as well, right? But, but it applies uniquely to the father in the home, being the head of the home by God's authority. You need Jesus' help to build your home. You need help. You're like, yeah, I need help. You're looking at me, you need help. I know, I need help too. But you especially need Jesus' help to build your home. You have no, help, no, no hope to do it apart from his help. See, look, the psalmist writes, Solomon says, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, Solomon built a big house. Do you remember this? He built the temple, right? And so there's a certain sense where uh, when Solomon is writing this, maybe he's speaking of the temple, but the play on words in the Hebrew would, uh, would cause you to believe, if, if we had time to look at that, that he's not just talking about the house in terms of God's temple, but he's also in the palace. He's talking about um, his home and his family. It, it's... It's, yeah, they needed God's help to build the temple. And, and when we get uh, into the fall and start looking at some things that uh, we believe God is laying on our hearts and, and we're trusting him, seeking his wisdom on, on, on adding to our facility and doing some things that way, we're going to need his help or it's going to be a whole waste of time, right? Well, that was the case for them too. But, but more importantly, I think Solomon's writing and he's saying, uh, listen, to build your home, you, you need help. You need help. You can read all the right books. You can uh, watch every episode of Dr. Phil. You can read everything you want to read about raising a kid, right? But listen, apart from the help of the Lord, your labor is in vain. You can discipline over and over and over. You can do all these right things, but unless you have the help of the Lord, it's such a waste of time. It's such a waste of time. Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor's build in vain. Now he goes on. It's not just the home, but you need Jesus' help, not just to build your home, but to protect it, to protect your home. See, when we talk, if we go back just a little bit, talk about building your home, uh, parents, if you have children, if God's given you the gift of children in building your home, I hope that you're leaning on Jesus' help, which is his, his word, right? God wrote a book. He wrote it all down. 
Spend time reading God's word together. Spend time teaching it to your children. If you have little kids and you're like, where do I start? Hey, you know what? Stop by my office. Grab me after the service today. I've got some children's Bibles in my office. I'll give you one. And you can spend time just reading that to your kids and reading some of those stories. Let the Holy Spirit work through God's word and what God has written down. And and that's how you're going to gain help in building your home. Another way is by praying. That's why I keep emphasizing this. Hey, take some time this week. Uh, Open your Bible. Dust it off if you need to. Crack it open and read through God's word, right? Spend time praying in it. And, And praying through God's word is really simple. I just, I read it and then I talk to him about what I read. It's like if uh, my wife leaves me a note on the fridge and maybe I don't quite understand it. What do I do? I go, I ask her, hey, what do you mean by this? What what does this mean? What is that? And then she explains it to me. Well, God welcomes your questions. Maybe you read something and it's really hard because of your situation in life. And you're like, man, that stings. That hurts. Talk to him about it. Maybe it's convicting because of your sin. Talk to him about it. Repent. Maybe it's encouraging. Talk to him about that. It's, it's simple. Just take one verse this week out of this psalm. I'm telling you, God will use that to build you and then to build your home. Founded upon God's word. Put Jesus in the center of your home. You need his help not only to build it, but you need Jesus' help, as I said, to protect your home. See, look at the second half of verse 1. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Well, there's kind of a... There's definitely an application to our home, but also he's specifically here talking about the city, right? City of Jerusalem in this case. But really it applies to any city, to any nation. What does the watchman do? What's the watchman do? He watches. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? It's like, uh, watches? Yeah, that's what he does. He, 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 st- he stays up all night at the gate, and if somebody's coming, he alerts everyone, hey, there's trouble coming. He watches, he guards, but, but Solomon says, listen, if the Lord's not on your side, he may see him coming, but all it's going to be is just a warning of your impending doom. <laughs> he's just, he's just going to let you know a couple seconds before you get smashed. It's not going to be any help to you. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Listen, this, this applies to our country, doesn't it? It applies to our, to our state, to our city. To wherever you are, listen, it doesn't matter who gets elected this fall. If God isn't honored by the people of our nation, especially his church, we elect them in vain. It does not matter. The Lord's in charge. He's sovereign. Unless the Lord watches over the nation, the watchman stays awake in vain. The people vote in vain. Listen, get on your knees, pray, spend time in his word. Trust him. Last, last week we saw this clearly in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Behold, look at verse 4. He says, behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Neither slumbers nor sleeps. The watchman stays awake in vain. But the, the great thing is, is that ultimately as we trust the Lord, he's the ultimate watchman for your soul. He's the one who keeps your soul. And he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always watching and caring for you. He is. He is. Now think about this in terms of your home and protecting your home. Do your kids ever get sick? Ever get sick? We have a six-month-old, not quite six months old, right? It's our first son. This is my first Father's Day. It's kind of exciting. 
But I'm telling you, when, when he gets cranky and, and he cries and he's tugging at his ear, or right now he's starting to teethe, and uh, he said, well, what do we do? <laughs> well, I can't help him. I can't get into his head and find out what's, what's going on, what's wrong. I, I need the Lord's help there, right? I need to pray. I need to, to trust the Lord with that. If the Lord doesn't care for his health, listen, there's nothing that I can do in my own strength to sustain his life. It's all a gift from the Lord. And even just protecting my family in terms of, of just safety. The only way I can protect my home is, is with God's help. And not just physical safety, but how about just all the dangers there are in life today? I, I dread the day. Uh, I, I look forward to it, but I also dread it as Charlie grows older and I have to start explaining some of the complications of life to him. You know? Uh, the birds and the bees are just a small part of it. There's so much more. And how do I make sense of this to him? And not only that, how do I, as a pastor, um, protect him? He's growing up with a lot of pressure that other kids don't grow up with. If his dad makes a mistake, uh, the, whole, the whole church is looking at him like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Or, or if the church is mad at me, then maybe he feels, oh, how do I protect him from that? That's a tough situation. Well, you know what? The, the only way I can do it is with Jesus' help. And I just have to recognize, you know what? Ultimately, even in that case, I've said it over and over. This isn't my church. This is Jesus' church. That's why my title outside my door says lead pastor, not senior pastor. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the senior pastor of our church. Amen? And listen, he's, he's your senior pastor. He's the pastor of your home. Trust him. Without his help. You'll neither build your home nor protect it. See, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Verse 2, he says, It is vain, in vain, that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. I would Maybe you'd write this down. Uh, number three, you need Jesus' help to make a living. And there's a whole lot more that goes into this, but this is just kind of the phrase I chose for this morning. But you need Jesus' help to make a living, to make things work in your life and in your home, to be provided for. Solomon writes, he says, It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Do you know people like that? Maybe you're like this. You get up early. You work all day. You work late. At the end of the day, you come home. There's not much left in the tank. You're anxious. You go to bed and you get up early and do the same thing the next day. But sometimes you're working so long, so late, that it's like, I don't even know if I have time to go to sleep. I don't know if I have time. I'm just going to keep working and I'm anxious. I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow. I'm going to keep working harder. I don't... That's, that's anxious toil. It's anxiety. Is God really going to provide? Is God really going to care for me and for my family and for my life? Does he care? That's anxious toil. And so many of us, we get caught up in keeping our eyes off of Jesus and on ourselves that, that we strive over and over in this anxious toil. And then we lack contentment and, and security and peace. And all of it, we're doing this. And then we find out, and then we just get irritated because this is so, this is vanity. Just working over and over, working hard. Now what's happening in these first two verses is Solomon is contrasting two uh, different orientations towards God. One is, is one of dependence on God, and the other one is a, an orientation of independence from God. 
See, one is dependence on God. If the Lord doesn't build my house, if the Lord doesn't protect my home, if the Lord doesn't provide for me to make a living, then I'm in a lot of trouble. So I need to depend on him. But the flip side is true. If I just try to do it all on my own strength, I'm going to get crushed in a hurry and life is going to be miserable. It is. Are you depending on the Lord? When you lift your eyes up to the hills, from where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, right? We saw last Sunday. Trust him. Do you have an attitude of dependence or independence? Jesus says in in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Solomon goes on, he says, why do you strive in this anxious toil? See, God gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to you sleep. Have you ever thought about that, that a third of your life is spent sleeping? I mean, in general, if you slept eight hours a day, which not all of us do, but if you would, a third of your life is spent sleeping. Think about that. Why did God could have designed you in such a way that uh, you were just always awake, always refreshed, always up and running and going and doing good without sleep. Couldn't he? Of course he could have. That's he, he could have done that however he wanted to. But why did he create you in such a way that you had to sleep for eight hours? I think a lot of it is to keep us humble, to help us understand that we're just children. (laughs) We're his children. And as a child, you know what? Sometimes I just got to crash and sleep and let go and, and allow God to care for things. I need to rest. I need to step back and get away. This week, Hannah and I, uh, we traveled with Charlie to Iowa, spent a week with my mom, helping her with some stuff around the house. And, uh, and it was good, but at the same time, it's, it's anxious for me sometimes to leave because I go, what's going to happen when I'm gone? Is something going to go crazy? Uh, how am I going to get prepared for Sunday? And I'll be honest with you. I don't feel as prepared today as I normally would spent the day yesterday preparing But one thing I found out as I studied is that this could also be translated, not only that he gives his beloved sleep, but that he gives to his beloved in their sleep. That he gives to you in your sleep. In fact, your translation may say that. Or while he sleeps, he gives to his beloved. Think about that. It's the same idea. Again, you know what? I don't have to just keep working and working and worrying. I can step back and rest And trust that that God's going to provide and give to me while I rest. Ultimately, he's in control. Do I really believe that? Then take a nap. (laughs) Rest. He gives to his beloved sleep. Since it's Father's Day, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Charlie as I was writing some of these things this week. And he's going to be six months old next week, which is really hard to believe. And we're starting to see his, his personality come out, right? And generally, he's a pretty happy little guy unless he's hungry. And when he's hungry, he turns angry in a hurry. He's hangry. He's a little Snickers commercial. That's, that's Charlie. And, and one of the things, though, that he does is he's starting to this where he doesn't want to go to sleep. He doesn't want to miss anything. He just stays awake, and he, he arches his back, and he grunts all the time. And then he's going to love this when he listens to this in 10 years. And he, he rubs his head against the back of, the, back of his, his seat and... He, and then right before he finally falls asleep, the one last thing he does is he lets out this big, ah. and then like within 30 seconds, he's gone, lights out. But I, you know, seeing him do that this week made me think of this verse. Oh, why do you get up early and stay up late in anxious toil, just 
It, Charlie's just he's an anxious toy. He's trying to stay awake. He doesn't want to miss anything. And sometimes I feel like that too, right? Like I, I just want to I want to stay awake. I want to keep going. I don't want to slow down and no rest. He gives to his beloved sleep, and and if this translation is right, he provides for his beloved even in their sleep. He's he's in control. Some of you just again, you need to slow down, take a break, and have some joyful rest. I mean, the, it's a cliche, right? Let go and let God. But there's a lot of truth in that too. That that I'm not clenching it to the thing. I'm clenching to Jesus. It, I don't know if it's so much let go and let God. It's let go and grab Jesus. <laughs> I think is a better saying. In these first two verses, just two points of application. Then the psalmist is saying that unless God is at work in it, it's all a waste of time. So two things. Number one, I need to remember the ultimate outcome totally depends on God. Every endeavor. The ultimate outcome of Charlie's life in my home, the ultimate outcome of our church, all of it ultimately is in God's hands. Do you know how much stress that takes off of me? How big of a weight that lifts off? Now, now I still feel it, right? I go, boy, if I get up and, and I blow it this Sunday and it's a waste, then oh, the whole, and, and I'll hear all kinds of praise, but the one negative comment, I'm just stuck on that and the whole world collapsed. You know why, you know why it bothers me so much? Because I'm, I'm trying to carry a weight that Jesus said, no, that's mine to carry, not yours. Unless I build the church, you labor in vain. The Holy Spirit would say, unless I preach the sermon, those who listen hear it in vain. <laughs> right? It, the ultimate outcome is, is totally dependent on the Lord. Now, when Spurgeon preached through this, one of the things he said, though, but one of the things you learn here is something you may not expect, and that's this. That while the total outcome is on the Lord, he's not going to just do it without you putting some work in. (laughs) There's still work for you to do. You still have to take some responsibility and get up and toil. He's not saying toil's bad in this verse. He says anxious toil is where, where you're trying to do it all and you're not depending on the Lord. You still need to work hard. You still need to put in the hours that it takes. But at the end of the day... Take a break. We were at a national conference of the free church last summer. Hannah and I were, and a guy named Larry Osborne, uh, who's a pastor of a large church in San Diego, he said this. He talked about this to a group of us as pastors. And he said, here's kind of the way I tend to live my life and try to anyway, because there's a whole lot of stress in ministry. And you can think about this, not just for ministry, but for your profession, or maybe if you're a mom and you're at home, whatever it is, he says this. He goes, here's what I do. Basically, I do my best under the circumstances, and then I take a nap. That's godly toil, isn't it? Do your best. Do everything as unto the Lord, Paul writes. Under the circumstances. So for me, my circumstances this week, this is probably not my best sermon. It's just not. I was with my mom all week and working, and I'm tired, and I didn't have as much time to study. But under the circumstances, I worked hard still yesterday and was up early this morning. And so do my best under the circumstances. And then this afternoon, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. And I'm going to say, you know what? That's the rest of, that's your work now, Holy Spirit. I did my best. It's in your hands. Maybe you need to take that approach to life and recognize that every endeavor, ultimately, the outcome is in God's hands. Now, The second thing to notice, though, is this. Don't ask God to join your agenda. See, unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. Don't ask God to join your agenda. Get on his. As as you pray, 
Don't go, oh God, you know, give this to me, give this to me. No, no, say, God, what are you teaching me here? Where do I need to change? Because he's unchanging. He's unchanging. Where do I need to change to follow him? How do I need to orient my life around his word? The best, how do I get onto his cause? You know what his cause is, if you just want to boil it down? It's to exalt Jesus Christ. If you're wondering, how do, I, how do I live a life that honors the Lord? How do I get on his agenda? Just ask yourself, whatever you're up to, does this honor Jesus? Sometimes taking a nap honors Jesus. Because it says, you know what? I'm taking a break. I'm slowing down. Sometimes working really hard honors Jesus. That's, that's the simple way to find out. Is your toil honoring to God? Does it honor Jesus Christ? The Father delights to exalt the Son. Read Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And Peter, when he preaches in Acts 2, he talks about how how God exalted Jesus. The Father exalted him. Honor Jesus. Honor Jesus in what you're doing. Uh, It's all about him. Now, spiritually, this idea of work... Uh, being in vain apart from God's help is true too, right? It's called religion when you try to do something spiritual apart from God's help. It's just going through the motions, trying to earn God's favor. And that's as much a waste of time and as much in vain as anything else. Let's look at these last three verses, verses three through five. And here's what I would say to you. This, these last three verses talk about children, right? And, and what I would say is children are a gift And they're one of the expressions of how Jesus helps you. Um, Earlier this morning, I just talked about today's Father's Day, and that can maybe be hard for some. If you don't have kids, or you've tried to, or you want to be married, but you're not, or whatever the situation is, or maybe you have a strained relationship with your children. Um, But again, this is just one of God's gifts. We'll talk about that in a second. And I would encourage you... Still honor the Lord in the way you live. You're, you're part of his family. And, and you guys, you're a father figure to the children in our church. Love them like a good dad. Honor the Lord in it. It's a responsibility that's very serious. See, he says, look at this. Verse 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward. Behold, in other words, look, pay attention. Children are a heritage or they're a gift from the Lord. Now, why does he call him a gift? He goes on and he talks about children being like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Well, you got to remember Solomon's day, what life was like. Uh, if you wanted security for your family, you know what you did? You had a lot of kids. You had a lot of children. And uh, hopefully a lot of sons. So that when you passed away, guys, because uh, you probably would first and may still first... Uh, Your wife's going to be left behind, and who's going to provide for her? Well, hopefully you have some sons who will represent her well in her uh, proceedings uh, legally at the gate. They won't be put to shame at the gate, right? They're going to be there to help and to provide. It's it's an act of provision. In an agricultural community, having more children means more workers, means more fruitfulness. It's it's one of God's gifts of how he helps you. That that was the original idea, but, but ultimately children are just a gift. The fruit of the womb... I always want to say fruit of the loom, right? It's a reward. You were thinking it too, weren't you? It's a reward to have children. Uh, Not everyone can have children. Dad, if if you have kids, you need to know you've been blessed by God. 
It's not a blessing everyone receives. They're an incredible gift. They're a reward to you. Are you going to steward them and honor them and honor Jesus in the way that you raised them? Well, again, I told you earlier, he's, he shared his name with you, dad. You get to be called father so that, see, my dad passed away a couple years ago, right? But one of the great things about my dad is he loved us well, provided for our family. And because of his love and care for our family, it was no problem for me to believe that I had a heavenly father who loved me. Do you know why there's a large decline or part of the reason there's a big decline in the church today in America and around the world is a lack of fathers. And, and you'll, you, if you talk to some high school kids, go talk to them. And I don't know if I want to believe in a God. Uh, my dad as a father was a jerk. <laughs> I barely know him. He's gone. I've, I saw him beat my family. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that there's a heavenly father who loves me. Dads, you bear a great responsibility simply by being dad. (laughs) And the more that you love and care for your kids, the more they're going to find it easy to believe and understand and trust in their heavenly father who loves them. See, verse 4, they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Like arrows, a fistful of arrows in the hand of a warrior. What's a warrior used with arrows for, right? Well, one is for protection. Uh, one is for protection, right? And, and, and I talked about this already, how especially in that culture, children would, would be an added source of protection and God's help towards your family. But you think about it, how do you shoot an arrow? What do you do with an arrow? Do you take it and just toss it like that? You're, you're going to get pummeled with a bunch of other arrows if you try fighting like that. Take an arrow out, go hunting, and just try tossing it, see how good it goes. Good luck. And what do you do? You string up the bow, you pull it back, and then what do you do? You launch it. You aim it and you launch it. You know know what a lot of raising your family is? It's stringing the bow. (laughs) It's stringing the bow. And then it's aiming the bow. And it's getting the arrow in there. And it's pulling it back and letting go. And you're launching it. And and your children are like arrows that you're firing out into the world. Are are you preparing them well? Do you have a good bow? Or is it one where it's just going to go boom and then right down? I don't shoot a bow very good. The first time I tried it, I did that and snapped my wrist and the arrow went straight down. It was ugly. Some of you guys saw it. But pull it back and you, right? and you fire it. And if you've done a good job raising your children, training them in the way of the Lord, that arrow's going to go straight, isn't it? But you know, what's, you know what's amazing is once you let go of that, guess who's in control? <laughs> Not you. The Lord's in control. See, children are like, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. You get the great privilege of, of launching them out into life and preparing them for life. And verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now, Anna said, people are going to be asking you this morning, Josh, how big is your quiver? How many are you going to have? Are you going to fill it? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Now, there's two sides of this. There's, again, this dependence and independence, right? We hope to have more children, Lord willing. But, but maybe he hasn't given us a big quiver to have more children. We don't know yet. Do you have children? See, sometimes in our culture, people are having less and less kids. And a lot of that is under the guise of responsibility. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to provide for them. And that's good. But at the same time, um, is there a dependence on the Lord to provide? He says it's a blessing to have many children. It's a good thing. So maybe you'd think about that. If you're, you're still raising your family, maybe you'd have a lot of kids. Pray about it. I don't know. I, if we'd have a lot of kids, that'd be great. Hannah may not think so right now, but it'd be a great thing. 
that it'd be a blessing from the Lord. The quiver, by the way, is the thing that holds the arrows, right? It's like the thing on Robin Hood's back. You know what I'm talking about? That's the quiver. And blessed is the man who fills his quiver with children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies or contends with his enemies, some translations say, in the gate. The gate was just the place that legal proceedings happened in the city. Uh, If you read Ruth, you'll find Boaz contending for her in the gate, right? Um, I, I thought of that this week, even going home, helping my mom helping her care for things as a widow. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm able to contend for her and to help her with things. But here's kind of the crux of it. You need Jesus' help, not only to build your home, protect your home, make a living. Children are, are one example of his gift of grace, but you need Jesus' help to save you. You need his help to save you. All of the Christian life is one of depending on Jesus' gracious help. See, Ephesians 2 says this. Paul writes it. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. By grace. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And you could apply this to every part of this psalm, couldn't you? By grace you build your home in a way that honors the Lord. By grace God protects your home and our city and our nation. By grace you work without anxious toil. It's all a life of grace, of God's undeserved favor. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And again, this is why praying, reading, and memorizing God's word is so important. So as we end this morning, let me challenge you with this. One, if if you haven't trusted in Jesus' grace, I, I pray you'd repent, maybe even today, and trust him. It's a gift. Listen, your life is hopeless. Every effort you're making to, to make life right and to honor the Lord It's a huge, colossal waste of time. And you wind up empty every time, don't you? Do you know why? Because unless the Lord works in your heart, your work is in vain. Unless you trust in Jesus' grace towards you, you have no hope. But now to those of you who have, let's do this this week. We're going to be in Psalm 127 this week. I'm going to challenge you. Can you memorize it this week? Can you memorize it? It's only five verses long. You've got seven days, less than a verse a day. Here's maybe one way you would do it. And I wrote this down for you in the back of your bulletin. Try this. I I challenge you to try it. We'll try to recite it all together next Sunday, okay? I'm in on this too. First do this. Read through the psalm in the morning or sometime during the day, maybe in the morning and at night. And then take a pad of paper or open up your laptop or your phone or whatever and then write it out. Just copy it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The Lord watches over the city, right? And, and just go through it. That, that's tomorrow. Then on Tuesday, see, read it, and then go through and see how far can you get without looking back to copy it down. Get as far as you can, then look back and just keep copying it down. And do that every day and see if you can memorize it this week. And then after you're writing it down, spend some time praying through it. Unless the Lord builds the house, maybe you just respond just to that line tomorrow morning. Lord, what's it look like for you to build my home? Am I laboring in vain? Am I doing it apart from your help? Would you help me? Talk to him about it. I know that seems simple, but the reality is that most people in the church, and I'd have to believe that's probably our church too, because we're most people, don't spend time in God's word. And if you feel the pierce in your stomach, I'm just telling you, listen, it's not that hard. I don't, I don't want to smash you down. I want to encourage you and build you up and say, just start small. Here's a small way you can start this week. Let's do it together. Amen?
All right, let me pray. We'll take our offering and then we'll sing again and call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus and thanks for your grace to us through him. Uh, Lord, it's true that this is your church, uh, that our lives are not our own, but they're yours. And in, unless you're in it, in our work and in our effort and in our labor, it's, it's all a waste of time. Help us to trust you this week. Uh, give us uh, the ability and the time and the courage to, to spend time reading your word and memorizing it. So that when we need your help, you've got a well to draw back on, Holy Spirit, where you, you would bring those things to our, to our thoughts and to our mind. And uh, you'd increase our, our friendship and fellowship with you. I pray for those this morning, too, who've never trusted you, Jesus. I pray today might be the day they would. That if they hear my voice and they know in their heart of hearts they've never turned to you in faith, that today might be the day they repent of their sin and trust you, knowing that apart from you, their life is in vain. Father, thanks for Jesus. I pray all of this through him. Amen.